Welcome to Living the Dream Outdoors, the official podcast of Living the Dream Outdoor Properties. We live by the motto, it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. And we live the outdoor lifestyle every day. Whether you're a landowner or dreaming of joining the ranks of those closest to the earth, we're your brothers and sisters of the outdoors. We hunt, we fish, we're stewards of the land, and our Living the Dream team will show you the way to enjoying the land and all the outdoor pursuits it has to offer. Here's your host, Bill Cooper. Have you ever been to Palm de Terre Lake in southwest Missouri? Well, that's one of my favorite destinations, especially when it comes to fishing and talking about fishing. I've got a great show coming up with Chris Nelson. He's owns Tandem Fly Outfitters, which operates on both Palm de Terre Lake and Stockton Lake in southwest Missouri. Chris, it's a little bit chilly out there today. Yes, sir, it is. I'm sitting here looking at Palm de Terre right now. Uh, on Martin's Flat, and it is frozen solid as far as I can see. And uh, half tempted to get out there and and drill some holes in the ice <laughs> over some of these crappie beds and try to catch a few. <laughs> that was my but next my, question. My wife disadvises. <laughs> <laughs> that was my next question, man. You you read my mind there. You know, it's been a long time since I've done any ice fishing. I haven't done much of it in my lifetime, but and I, I'm not sure I'd really get hooked on that too much. I guess I would if that's all I had to do. But that's not the case over at Palm de Terre. Usually, it's probably been a good while since you've seen it frozen over like that but man chris i've been following you on the social media facebook and stuff everything you guys have been clobbered in the crappie over there on palm de terre and i noticed you had a couple of real rascals over there not too long ago uh, that brandon butler and, and shag mclean you know they're quite a pair aren't they did they destroy the fishery on oh. the lake <laughs> Uh, they did. They didn't destroy it. Actually, they they came at kind of a low period. Uh, I mean, we caught we got good size and good numbers of fish, enough enough to keep you interested and, and keep you fishing. But with what we had when they showed up, those fish had just they just had started moving. Off. They were staged on those channel swing brush piles uh, over the top of it, and we were swimming. We were swimming or. Uh, what i like to call gliding the bait back to the boat we would cast out and count three to five seconds on these deep channel swings where the brush was up shallow and we would cast over the top of the brush and we would swim our bait over the top and then we would let that bait once we cranked it out about five six times we hit that ledge and then you just let it free fall down the side of that ledge and pendulum all the way back to the boat and those fish were just they were just right up on those channel swings. Well, those black and those were predominantly black crappie. You'd catch a white crappie every now and again. They that's how they wanted the bait presented, and that's how they were set up. Well, they started pulling water hard, and it the the water temperature started to cool down. Um, we started getting colder temperatures. Those fish sucked sucked out away from that shallow brush where they were staged, and they started to group up in the main lake channels on the swings the same same areas we were finding them but we were finding more fish related to timber so the fish that we we found uh say up the lindley arm 
related to brush, we had to completely abandon and go back over to the palm to tear side and find channel swings with deep timber and 40 to 60 foot of water. And man, when we did, we started catching some <laughs> of the biggest white crappie oh, I have seen. I saw the stringers, man. I was quite impressed. You know, and Shag's a big old boy. You put a, any kind of a fish up against him, it makes it look pretty small. But those, they look small, <laughs> don't they? <laughs> they? They do, but even with him, those, those slabs were looking mighty nice, you know. And I, oh, I thought about you the other night. Uh, Diane and I uh, ate the last bit of crappie we had in the freezer. And I, I just that day, I'd been looking at those big slabs y'all been pulling out. You know, that, oh, man, what am I doing sitting here at home? I need to be over there right in the middle of those guys, you know, catching some of those big slabs, too. But I got to ask you, how quick did those two guys catch on? You know, I rag them to death sometimes. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, that you know the, the they got spoiled the last last year when when we were here. I say spoiled, but fishing was phenomenal last year. It, it was taken. I had I had multiple trips out uh, where uh, last season. I so just to give you kind of a gauge on this season versus last season. Last year I could run two trips a day and have three or four people on the boat and limit everybody out. Wow. I had multiple days where I had five people on the boat and we were multiple days. We were done within two to three hours and that's all single pole fishing. That's no spider rigging, no live bait, just jig one-on-one, uh, just catching fish out of the, the, these big schools of fish that are on these balls of shad. And when Brandon and shags were here last year, it was around December 2nd. And those fish were set up on those shallow brush piles, and we were actually throwing a casting cork only about three. Uh, we had it set about three feet deep over the top of those wow. brush piles and just twitching it over the top. And, and we were done. The first day they got here, I think it was on a, a Friday afternoon, They I, met, I picked them up at the boat ramp after my morning trip, and we had our, our 45 fish in in an hour's time, we had three limits of fish off of one off of one school of fish. That in, in an hour, it was from boat dock to spot back to boat dock. We were done in an hour and back at the lodge. And the next day, we drove from the lodge back over here to Palm. And it took us longer to drive from the lodge than it did to catch our 45 <laughs> fish the next day. Oh, that's but terrible. This year it's, <laughs> that's terrible. You know, this, you'll spoil those guys. <laughs> well, I know I did. I did. And, and this year it set up a little bit different because whenever they landed here, it was right in that transition period where those, those fish that were set up feeding heavy, getting ready to go out where the water temperature was still warm enough to – relate to that shallower brush uh they they had the water temperature uh cooled down about oh five six degrees and they started pooling water which really concentrated those fish and um it was it was just a time of transition it, it wasn't bad fishing by any means we had lots of action caught caught plenty of fit I, I think they went home with two or three gallon bags of fish but uh Oh, it wasn't, 
I know who to we hit. Had to work for them a little bit more. Yeah. Right? Well, I know yeah, who to hit up now was, for some was, crappie fillets. I, I'll just go to those guys' houses. Of course, knowing Shag's big as he is, he probably <laughs> he probably right. ate all his his already. But boy, it just sounds like. But it seemed me like you were doing that all winter long. You know, I try to follow you on Facebook and I repost a lot of your your stuff. And man, I just saw limit after limit after limit. But you know, I've known you what three or four years, and that's kind of been the trend. I first fished with you in February. Uh, three or four years ago, and I thought you kind of lost your mind, that sort of thing, as bad a weather and as cold as it was, but we caught fish in just horrible (laughs) conditions, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I I remember the first time you come down to the lodge, Bill, we sat there, we sat there, and we went to breakfast, and I said, there's really no need to to be in a hurry to get out here. I said, the fish are going to be there, the the balls of bait haven't moved, and, uh, we sat there and uh, fellowshiped and told some stories and uh, uh, then got out there on the water that morning, probably maybe 9 or 10 o'clock, and that was uh, over on Stockton in February. And, and I think in about four hours total of fishing, we were able to pull three limits of crappie, and, and they weren't small crappie. By no, any they means. were they not. 12-inch average crappie. Yeah, and I, I distinctly remember, yeah. too, we only moved 150 yards and, and caught limits of walleye. And I haven't walleye fishing very much. I was pretty impressed because I caught one on the first cast, you know. But I still got a bone to pick with you about that trip, you know, before we made the move for the uh, for the walleye. I, I, I dropped a jig, you know, playing around up front and caught a huge white bass. I remember saying, oh, boy, let's catch a bunch of these. You immediately said, no. Nah, I don't even want to mess with those things. Let's go get some walleye. My big fear was we were going to race up well, the lake I, and freeze I, to death. <laughs> my, my my fear with that was was I didn't want to waste time catching white bass when I knew the walleye were right there. Exactly. They were, they, they were pretty predictable every day. They were laying in that one creek arm, and if they were suspended <laughs> out in the middle of the creek, don't fish for them. And by the time we got our limit of crappie and I went back and I used the side imaging to look and I seen they were up on the edge, I, I said, we're going to get our walleye. And, and I think uh, probably our first two or three casts, uh, casting up on a windy point right after a front had rolled through, we had to actually run into State Park Marina yeah. because it was raining so hard in February and cold, but, uh, I think our first three casts, we had we 18, had fish twenty inch walleye of the boat. And yeah, it, it didn't it didn't take long for you to convince me to leave those white bass alone. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought, no, I thought this this, this guy he's either rubbed the crystal ball or tremendously lucky or something. But I I determined very quickly that it was not just pure luck. Uh, there was a little bit of research, some time spent on the water to come up with those sites. Well, I didn't mean to get you sidetracked here, but you know, I love telling stories like that. Uh, I know over at uh, uh, Palmy, you grab, gravitate that uh, way sometime during the winter and uh, fish pretty heavily over there, and you've had a good winter over there, correct? Yes, we have. It's It's been consistent throughout the whole year. This year, this year the, overall, the overall size has been better uh we've seen a lot of fish in that 12 to 14 inch range uh not really keeping any nine inches uh you know legal limit on palm to terror is nine inches but we we cut it off about 10 inches uh just because of the this fishery is putting out good quality fish uh this year and i know 
I know it's got a history for producing small fish, but the fish cycle every two to three years, you know, the age class and size class and, and it's, it's hit its prime. And, and I really, I really foresee this fishery this spring just being absolutely phenomenal with some of the biggest fish that will be caught out of here in, in maybe, in maybe my lifetime, uh, just based on what I've seen, um, this winter, uh, because once we, once we transition from those black crappie on, on the shallow, uh, brush that was on channel swings, um, once we transition to those fish on, on, out to the, the fish that were in the channels that were related to the trees, those fish really, the, those mega schools that we were on. And when I say mega schools, I'm talking when you're dropping down, you're dropping down into 500 fish or, or wow. more. You, you can wow. only guess you, you five yeah. to five to 1500 fish are right below the boat. And it's the whole entire length of the boat. And, and we were, we were pulling stringers of 12 to 15 inch fish. Like it was like it was nothing. So I can, I can only imagine what it's going to be like over here in the spring. Oh um, yeah, that's got to be it, crazy. It and I've seen those big balls of yeah, I've seen those big balls of fish on your screen. So I, I I know you're telling the truth. And then as quickly as we jerk fish out of those balls, it's just an incredible. It, you know, of course, I'm an old guy. I'm used to you know I started out fishing the willow swamps along the Mississippi River with a long cane pole dabbling in the willow trees. You know, and you couldn't see anything in that muddy water, and electronics was the farthest thing. Never heard of such a thing. But you guys open up a whole new world to me, and I'm sure a lot of other people as as well. Or well, Chris, I got one last question I want to ask you. Do you have yes, sir? Do you have enough of those palm de terre big crappie stored away in your freezer that if I come over in early March, we're going to have a little fish fry? Oh, uh, you you can <laughs> count on that, Bill. I've always, I've always got a bag put back for you and Diane. Oh man, I tell you what, you you don't know what kind of brownie points you're making, man. I, it, those things out of that cold, <laughs> clear water are just—I mean, they're just superb, man. Well, Chris, uh, real quick, like, yeah. uh, give give people your contact info if they want to get a hold of you and get a get a trip schedule, which they need to do. Uh, yeah, if you guys want to book a trip with us, it's it's going to be a phenomenal year this year. Uh, we've got the walleye spawn coming up, uh, starting March 1st, and then, then we'll roll into post-spawn walleye, uh, April 15th, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, excuse me, April 15th, uh, May 15th. And in, in that time period, it's, it's, uh, you got the walleye spawn or post-spawn walleye with a crappie spawn mixed in. So you got a lot of things happening in that March, April, May time period. And, uh. I recommend getting up here and getting in during that time period for for multi-species crappie and walleye both. That's the time of year to catch both of them. Uh, you can you can reach me directly at 417-839-2762. Uh, I'm not nearly as efficient as my wife Amanda. <laughs> uh, my voicemail box fills up pretty quick, so if you can't get me. Send an email to tandemflyoutfitters at gmail 
dot com and that's all lowercase letters and you can find us on facebook as well uh and you can keep up with what's going on day to day and what we're doing every day so that's the best way to get a hold of me bill well i, I tell you what following you on facebook if you're a fisherman man that's something you will want to do almost every day because i do it myself and i gotta tell you folks if you've got crappie fishing dreams we are living the dream outdoor podcast and I tell you, if you go over to Tandem Fly Outfitters and fish with Chris Nelson, you too are going to be living your outdoor dreams. Hey, I'm Bill Cooper. The Living the Dream Outdoors podcast is brought to you by Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, Cowtown USA, Alps Outdoors, Scenic Rivers Taxidermy, and the Fly Rod Journals. Land ownership is the American dream. Land is the basis of all life. Our wise use of this most precious of resources ensures the survival and growth of free institutions and our American way of life. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we value the traditions and freedoms that land provides us. Every day we seek the solace of a mountain sunrise over traffic jams and smog the calming silence of a bubbling stream over the sirens of the city, and the quiet of the countryside over the hustle and bustle of the world. We hunt, we fish, we farm. We live off the land. It's our mission to help our clients live out their dreams on the land as we do. At Living the Dream Outdoor Properties, we believe that it's not just land, it's a lifestyle. Join us five days a week on Living the Dream Outdoor Podcast, as the Living the Dream Outdoor Dream Team explores the most desired outdoor properties in the Midwest and whisks you away to incredible hunting, fishing, and outdoor recreation opportunities. Host Bill Cooper, an inductee of the National Freshwater Fishing Hall of Fame, will be joined by members of the Living the Dream Outdoors team each week as they tell tall tales, unveil tips and tactics, and rub elbows with some of the biggest names in the outdoor world. You'll also find the Living the Dream Outdoors podcast on your favorite social media platforms, including Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok.